This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Well, welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, it's great to be be here today. It's uh, the first day of the new year. This is, I think, starting our seventh or eighth year of doing this, David. I know it's been a long time. Well, that's because it's such a good show. Well, it just keeps going on and on. We're like, yeah. as long as I haven't jumped the uh, shark yet and become the fawns, I think I'm okay. <laughs> Today we have a very special program. This is actually one of my favorite programs of the year. I have two a year. This is my, my first favorite one. Angelo Paparelli, uh, an extraordinary immigration lawyer, every year puts out the IMI Awards, the IMMI Awards. Uh, and uh, this year's awards, I think, were the best yet. We welcome Angelo Paparelli to the show. Angelo, welcome and good morning. Good morning, Chuck. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for getting up so bright and early, and I'm sure on a sunny Southern California day. I hope you won't mind that I'm sitting in my pajamas. No, that's quite all right. Uh, that's quite all right. I wish I was sitting in my pajamas, but David would get very upset if I did that. Uh, but it's great to be here. I, this was my favorite year so far, Angela. Of Thank the you, Chuck. I really, I love the way you write, um, and uh, you know, most people don't know this, but I used to work for Angela many, many, many years ago. Uh, and uh, it shaped uh, the kind of lawyer I am and the way I write, although I do not write as well as Angelo. I, I just My vocabulary isn't that big. Uh, but I do love how you use words so eloquently to describe these awards. Now, Thank you, Chuck. Now, Angelo... Might I, I make a suggestion that you tell people where they can find the Emmy Oh, awards? that's a great idea. You should go to nationofimmigrators.com. Uh, that's Nation of Immigrators, O-R-S, dot com. Uh, one of the best public, probably the best public policy blog out there on America's dysfunctional immigration system. Uh, Angela posts at least once a week. Uh, you were a guest poster. Uh, and they're usually very timely. I know they're read by many people in the government. Uh, and they're very, very influential, uh, unlike my blogs, which just tend to poke fun at, uh, at politicians, uh, who I'm sure don't read my blog. But it's great to have this here, Angelo. Now, I noticed that President Obama got a lot of different shout-outs from a lot of different angles here in these Emmy Awards. That's correct. Uh, well, it's been a long year, 2014, <laughs> and in the course of that, the President revealed different facets of, of his approach to governing I, I was I was wondering if you were going to have a, proca- a procrastinator award because uh, that would be perfect for him. Well, I, I I sort of thought that the evolver in chief is kind of uh, that same on thing. How he evolved on immigration uh, over the course of the year and actually the course of his presidency was uh, uh, illustrative of his procrastination uh, because I tried to point out that. Uh, uh, although he was, uh, it was it was hot competition between uh, the president and Sean Hannity in terms of. I love the evolving. shout out to Sean Hannity. I love that. <laughs> uh, well, Sean, uh, uh, as an aside, uh, has long opposed uh, any any kind of immigration benefit to the undocumented, lawful status, and a, and a path to citizenship were off the table to Sean until the Republicans. Uh, uh, did so badly in the um, uh, 2012 election. And you remember that night on his show. I mean, it was yes. just like, wow, what well, happened to the old Sean Hannity? It was really shocking, as if, as if someone inhabited his, his, his body and was speaking in a different tongue. But uh, then he, uh, uh, as with many Republicans, uh, uh, essentially went back to the old position as time passed. And the effect of that election, which was to uh, show the voice of uh, the Latino and Asian communities in supporting the president, 
in his reelection. But in any case, uh, that was not enough because President Obama acted uh, much like a, a pliable yogi uh, in the sense that uh, some 19 times uh, he claimed he did not have the authority to do what he ultimately did. And I congratulate him for doing it, but uh, I have been urging him in my blog, and I don't think he reads it. Yeah, yeah uh, I don't think he reads this, any blogs. Uh, for many, many years. Well, do you, uh, th- do you think he was wrong the first 19 times he said it? Well, obviously he was, he was wrong because yeah. he does have executive authority, yeah. as do uh, as did many of the presidents uh, since Truman, who uh, exercised that authority. Indeed, we go back all the way to President Lincoln, who um, declared the Emancipation Proclamation as an executive order. So we'll see. Now, I have to remind you, we do broadcast from the South, and we don't usually speak of Mr. Lincoln in positive tones. Uh, I'm sorry. It was such a gross oversight on my part. (laughs) Um, How about if we, I I don't think this one will go over any bigger, but it was uh, President Truman who uh, desegregated the armed forces. uh, By by executive executive order, order. right. Uh, it It was always remarkable to me. That Obama kept saying over and over again he didn't have the authority. I, I just think, really? I thought you taught con law somewhere at some time. How do you know? How do you say this? Well, that, that's a, that's interesting. That's an interesting lead-in to one of the other Emmy awards that I gave him because um, he did teach con- constitutional law, and yet he uh, uh, made what I thought to be a really uh, unsophisticated and, and wrong-headed uh, comment about the uh, the need to hire a lawyer to pursue any of these remedies of the oh. deferred action for parental accountability, DAPA, or the deferred action for childhood arrivals, DACA, that he uh, uh, authorized the Department of Homeland Security to permit. And, uh, and, and it's important to recognize that he didn't sign very many executive orders per se. These are executive actions, which are sort of stealth executive orders, but aren't reported as such. Um, and, and thus, he he claims he hasn't done much more than other presidents, but he has, in fact, because if you add the executive actions and mm-hmm. the executive orders together, he's uh, among the leaders in in presidential activism. Oh, no doubt. And about I don't that. fault him for that because he's had great opposition in the in the Congress. But the point is that he said you don't need a lawyer when, in fact, this is often rather complicated uh, analysis to make uh, if people have any kind of a blemished record. Well, you know, I think, I think, they, I think, I think he thinks... I'm sorry, Chuck. I'm sorry. I think he thinks a lot of these people are just sitting in their house every day and they get up in the morning and go to work and they never have interaction with the police. They never had prior interaction with immigration. They never, you know, had interactions with their stepchildren or, or the SIJ system. I would say ninety-five percent of the people need to talk to a lawyer before they file a DAPA application. Mm-hmm. And they may need as well guidance from a lawyer because they obviously were in the shadows and they were trying to maintain a low profile. They may not have ready access to the kind of documentation that would prove their physical presence in the United States for the last five years. Uh, uh, or their physical presence for DACA, which is required as well. So uh, they may have to have some lawyerly creativity as to how they went about 
documenting their presence in the United States. I know uh, one lawyer, a former president of the American Immigration Lawyers Association, even suggested uh, that uh, movie uh, rental receipts, when you when you go to uh, rent out movies at the big red box at, at a lot of grocery stores, uh, might be a basis to show physical presence. That, that and In of course, event, don't forget your Facebook I, I did, updates. I did give the president one other uh, award, and that was to, uh, which I called Mojo Master, uh, because I love the way he, um, in in such an obvious way, created a trap that um, Republicans <laughs> uh, consciously walked right into. Just like like their, head, their eyes wide open, and they just walked yes. right in. <laughs> yes, I mean, they, it, it was as if they were compelled, impelled, to, to step into this trap because uh, they just couldn't avoid the inter-party or intra-party uh, friction that they have, the, the, the moderate Republicans, if that's a word, I don't even know anymore. The, some call them the adults in the room, uh, and others uh, are on the, the, the Tea Party side of, of, of the House are um, in strong disagreement over this. I mean, it's been exemplified most recently by Jeb Bush's refusal uh, to uh, attend an invitation, uh, I mean, to accept an invitation in Iowa mm-hmm. of uh, Steve King, who's a, who's a very staunch uh, opponent of, of uh, uh, any kind of uh, pathway to uh, legal status or citizenship for immigrants. He's um, someone who... Um, I'll mention a little bit later as one of the winners of the Emmy Award, but uh, the Republicans uh, just fell right into that trap, and they tried everything they could. They proposed or considered impeachment, censure, withholding an invitation to give the State of the Union uh, speech in the House, (laughs) prohibiting the expenditure of funds, threatening a government shutdown, and ultimately they, they deprived... Uh, the Department of Homeland Security of any funding after February uh, so that they could uh, have the time to see what else was possible once they controlled both houses of Congress to prevent the president from doing anything. But I I have strong doubt that that's going to succeed. Well, isn't it interesting, Angela, that it's really, they are the victim of their own pressure in requiring years ago that USCIS, then INS, self-fund the process. Exactly. So they caused exactly. the, the reason they can't stop the funding for this is they made CIS self funding. Uh, well, it's, it's hilarious. I'm not sure. Was it the Republicans when that when that act was passed? Uh, I think it's two eighty seven G or or eighty six G. I'm not sure, but I don't know who held the Congress at it that. It was time, the Republicans. So. It was part of part of uh, IRA IRA uh, to make that completely okay. self funding. So. Really, a remarkable trap. They, it's like you're the Jedi Master. These are not the droids you're looking for. Um, <laughs> and all of a sudden, oh, well, we can't do anything. Even their own people said you can't do anything. Okay, well, right. good luck with that. And now, well, if, they, if they if they even they come down, they say, okay, we're gonna we have to have a vote in February. What are we gonna do? We're not gonna fund the government. Well, essential services that defines homeland security. So, like ninety percent of homeland security works anyway. And CIS is going to keep working because they're not controlled by the funds. So shutting down or not funding DHS doesn't do anything other than deprive first responders in the federal government of their paychecks. Right. I mean, are you going to stop the uh, Coast Guard from operating? Yeah, I mean, it's just Uh, crazy. No, they have to operate. They just don't get paid. So they have to go to work. They just withhold their paychecks. 
Um, and so it's and really ironically the the one immigration program that is going to be suspended is the one they like the most, and that's E-Verify. Exactly, because that's the one that's funded by fees, by by Cox dollars. It's it really I, Obama in this particular thing. This was really very much a mojo master. He really did just completely overwhelm them with the own law that they wrote. Um, So, Angela, we have one minute to the next break here. So let's finish up this conversation on Mojo Master, and then we'll take a quick break. Well, just just for a minute, that all this had to happen so late in the day. Uh, He could have uh, reaped a a tremendous benefit and might well have avoided a loss of both houses of Congress uh, had he shown some uh, uh, nerves. I think there's a Mexican uh, or a Spanish. I think they're called huevos, my friend. Yeah, pardon me? Well, cajones is what you may be thinking of. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't sure that was allowed on your radio show. Yeah, absolutely. Show, it's it's not a family radio show. Uh, but uh, it's um, if he had done it in September or August when he said he was going to do it, I think they would have had a little bit different result in the day. Let's take a quick break on the Immigration Army. We'll be right back with Angelo Pepperelli and the Emmy Awards. Soy Charles Cook, jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with E-Verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national. Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. We are featuring today the eminent and wonderful Angela Pepperelli and the Emmy Awards. Um, Angela, before we go to the next award, I do, I do want to mention the, uh, the the Most Flawed Legal Advice Award because you had a great quote in there from a lawyer about the, the immigration laws. I thought that was just sure, absolutely sure. wonderful. Well, I'm not sure everyone's going to get it, but the, the question really is uh, um, uh, whether people look at law, and particularly immigration law, as something more than filling out forms. Uh, unfortunately, and this has been a, a, a fact of life, I think, for throughout our careers, um, uh, and that is that they think it's just filling out forms, and any any reasonably intelligent person uh, or someone with some help from, uh, let's say, their, uh, their teenage child uh, could fill out these forms. And it really is not the case, because the answers to these forms uh, are, first of all, the questions are questions of law, and the answers require some legal sophistication. And some of the questions are, in fact, traps. That if you answer them wrong, you not only lose, but you uh, you might find Get yourself deported. in hot water legally. <laughs> and so, uh, one uh, lawyer who uh, 
uh, had a response to that, which I thought was pretty good, uh, is that he would pick up uh, a what is is now a massive law called the Immigration and Nationality Act, which some say comes in second to the Internal Revenue Code in complexity, and he would pick out the section of law that that uh, says these are all the ways to get a green card, and he'd show them show the many many different ways uh, to. Uh, the prospective client who uh, had doubt about the need for a lawyer. And then he would show another section of law, and these are all the ways in which you're not allowed to obtain a green card because you're not admissible or eligible for that benefit. And then he would show another section of law that says, these are all the ways that once you get a green card, the government can take it back from you. And he has one simple um, uh, statement after that. He says, any questions? And, <laughs> and it's kind of powerful. My own way of doing it, I mentioned in, in the post, uh, was that I just say, I guess I could perform surgery on myself, but it's not advisable. It reminds me of that uh, uh, that movie about the healthcare system that Michael Moore yes. uh, uh, had, where the opening scene is someone who is uh, uh, trying to, to sew a gaping wound uh, using his own uh, home tools because he didn't have health care. And so I, I think it's absurd uh, when the Supreme Court even says that immigration law is complex uh, and has to deal with the issue of what a criminal defense lawyer should say when an immigrant uh, needs to take a plea to some criminal offense and whether that would have immigration consequences. Um, they, they say immigration is complicated uh, or can be, the president says you don't need it. Um, uh, he just says uh, you don't have to hire a lawyer. Uh, but the the risk is that people will not go to a legitimate accredited representative. That's a uh, an organization that the Board of Immigration approved, uh, Appeals has approved uh, to represent uh, individuals in immigration proceedings. These are non-lawyers, and th- there can be danger even in that although I don't ascribe negative um, comments to them, but um, heaven forbid that someone go out and and engage a notarial who will make all sorts of promises and really hurt people in the long term. Oh, I see that every single day. It's really tragic. And that's why it was very disappointing that he said that. Uh, He should know better. He absolutely should mm-hmm. know better. Hopefully he won't ever say it again, because it reminds me of something that uh, Luis Gutierrez also said that a couple of years ago when DACA came out. And what we've learned by then is you absolutely need a lawyer for DACA. Uh, mm-hmm. It is For most people, it's just too complicated. I mean, even now, people are coming in to see me saying, what do I need to, to show this case? Said, well, we actually don't know uh, because we don't have any rules yet. Well, I went to this notario, and she's accepting money for applications. I said, well, you'd be stupid to pay somebody for something that doesn't exist yet. So, uh, really remarkable. Now, let's get back to these Emmys, because you used a word that I have not yet seen, Andrew, uh, uh, Angelo, poltroonery. The profile in poltroonery. Well, uh, that's a, a word that uh, uh, basically uh, means uh, cowardice. And uh, <laughs> it, it's one that uh, it, I uh, ascribe to the... Uh, uh, the very uh, Speaker of the House, uh, one uh, John Boehner, who, uh, interestingly enough, had a proposition at the beginning of 2014, Mm -hmm. uh, which was 
that uh, undocumented immigrants should get right with the law, the very phrase the president used on November 20th mm -hmm. uh, when he published Republican Principles on Immigration Reform right after the, um, the 2012 election. Uh, but uh, that's not uh, what ultimately happened. Uh, what happened instead was that he got whipsawed by his right flank and the Tea Party and failed to bring a bill to the House. Um, he had the Senate Bill 744, uh, which would have created a comprehensive reform program. It would have been a basis for working out in a conference committee the differences between the House and the Senate on immigration. Uh, but even though they they talked about, well, we'll do it piecemeal, they never did it piecemeal. Well, aren't you stunned so, that they did nothing? Did that, at the end of the day, stun you that even they they voted five bills out of committee, they literally never had a vote on the floor about this? Well, the thing that really stunned me is that they did not uh, understand the consequence to the National Republican Party by those five bills, if they had ever become law, how uh, disenfranchising they would be um, and uh, hurtful to the nation because they were very, very harsh uh, anti-immigrant rules, yes. and, and they would do nothing but really set back the cause of immigration reform in the country. Obviously, they never would have been uh, approved by the president. They would be subject to his veto and one that would not likely be sustained. I don't think they would have even been approved in the Senate. So it was an exercise in just showing how bad, how mean-spirited they can be. And and I don't mean to uh, hit only the Republicans, because I think the Democrats are worthy of an Emmy as well. Amen. In the sense that, that they urged the president to wait. Exactly. And essentially, everyone that said, please wait, don't do this until after the November election lost anyway. Uh, so that was a too-clever-by-half strategy. Yeah, I, I guess their thought, their thought process was... Well, if you if you create it, then I won't get the votes from the Tea Party guys who were never going to vote for me anyway. Right, that uh, made a lot of sense. I mean, it really just stunned, especially in a place like Arkansas, where they could have really turned out a large Hispanic set of people and maybe taken that race. It was really remarkable. Um, uh, I was looking at the numbers yesterday of the Republicans that won seats in this this last election in the Senate compared to the Democrats who won seats. Did you know the Democrats received 20 million more votes than the Republicans, even though almost well, double the number of Republicans won? Well, it's, uh, it's, I mean, sometimes if you didn't realize how serious all of this is, it would be the stuff of laughter, uh, because they, they behave in ways that are so obvious. I don't know if you saw a post I did that was a takeoff on the movie Liar, Liar, where I had the yes. president and Boehner actually speaking the truth of how they really felt. That was my speculation, how they felt. But, <laughs> I thought that was uh, an excellent post. But it, it's just amazing. And then, uh, but I didn't, I didn't just uh, um, skewer candidates, excuse me, office holders. I, I even uh, uh, gave an Emmy to uh, uh, Jeb Bush, who's the first announced 2016 presidential candidate. But that was not to criticize him. That was to uh, admire, at least in this instance, his honest words, where he talked about how um, immigration uh, crossing the border in an undocumented fashion is an act 
of love, which really got many Republicans annoyed, but it was really true, because people don't cross the border uh, because America has better movies. Uh, they cross the border because they want to feed their families. They want to make life for their children better than their lives were right? and have been. And, and um, we'll, we'll see how this all plays out, but he's certainly taking a different position um, sounds almost like compassionate conservatism. It, it does sound he, remarkably like that. And you know what's interesting like about that? Like his brother. Yeah, but his book is not exactly a feel-good book on immigration. Hey, I want to do all this wonderful stuff. His book is far much further to the right uh, than uh, the Senate S44 bill, 744 bill. Yes. Uh, it's not a, a liberal, hey, open borders type of thing. He's very conservative in how he approaches the immigration reform process and the future of immigration, including eliminating every family category except for parents and children. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, he's not uh, he's all about love, but it's a it's a special kind of love. <laughs> it's a special kind of love. But there are people out there who don't love the immigrants. And uh, I think your award for Machiavellian buffoonery was so well-placed. Well, that goes to Representative Steve King. and, and Is he a multi-award uh, winner over the years for this award? He has won more than one yes. award. I think he's vying with um, our new Senate Judiciary Committee uh, chair, um, uh, the gentleman from Nebraska, and I can't believe his name escapes him right now. I'm sure you remember who it is, who is equally uh, detesting of legal immigration mm-hmm. uh, and illegal immigration. Because uh, these guys, Bradford. it's not about illegal immigration, it's about all immigrants. Yes, it's it all really immigrants. is. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the in 2013, uh, when there was talk of DACA, and the president uh, granted that for dreamers. Uh, he said, for everyone who's a valedictorian, there's another 100 out there that weigh 130 pounds, and they've got calves the size of cantaloupes because they're hauling 75 pounds <laughs> of marijuana across the desert. Well, he doubled down on that and has refused to uh, take that statement back, even though Boehner censured him for uh, what was really... Uh, very reprehensible language. Oh, it's racist. And it's a ra- it's more racist recently, language. Jared Polis teased him that he'd been to the border, um, and he knew that uh, uh, Stephen King had been uh, at the border recently, but Jared said there were no unusually large uh, uh, calves in sight. And so <laughs> uh, there was some laughter on the floor of the House, but the point is that um, this excessive rhetoric on the part of Mr. King really masks a very Machiavellian streak uh, in that uh, uh, he is not um, a stupid man. Uh, oh, no, and he is claiming the credit for anti- stopping reform this last two years. Right, and, and he is he is going to make it, uh, uh, his, his voice known, but uh, uh, we've seen in the past how uh, people who have been anti-immigrant have lost and so we'll see whether that plays out. He's in a pretty safe state, though. That he is. Let's uh, take another and, break and, here, and Angelo, uh, and okay. go to our next segment. We'll be back in just a minute on the American Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, abogado y jefe del Grupo de Abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Llámenos hoy si usted tiene problemas con inmigración, si ha sido arrestado, si se casó con un ciudadano, 
o tiene una oferta de trabajo. Nosotros le podemos ayudar. También podemos explicar cómo, qué puedes hacer para recibir los beneficios de inmigración. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, 404-816-8611, o visítenos por el internet al www.immigration.net. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio and our special edition today, Angela Pepperelli and the Emmy Awards. Uh, Angela, I know it's pretty early out there in California. Is it about uh, 7.30 or 7.15, 7.30? I'm an early bird, Chuck. I- I'm glad you are. I'm glad you are, Angelo. And uh, I hope you're planning to go to the AILA mid-year meeting so we can see each other there. Uh, not on my calendar, Chuck. Oh, man. You know, it's in Hawaii this year, so somebody has to go. I think we're seeing each other in New York in April. Oh, that, that'll, be, that'll, be, that'll be good. That'll be good. So now... Uh, as we move through the wards here, uh, another really good one. I love this. The Lemmings Over the Cliff Emmy. I do love right, this. Right. I already mentioned that one. That one's the one that involves uh, the uh, defeated uh, senators who urged yep. on the Democratic Party side of the, of the uh, political aisle uh, the president to lay action on immigration. And basically they did uh, uh, run in a in unison over the cliff and that they their actions didn't help the president uh caused the, the loss of both houses of and Congress. they i think every one of those guys and gals that asked for the delay lost every single exactly one. so um it was uh, really an exercise in shooting oneself in both feet i think what uh, we saw was the the uh, in the articles that came out afterwards the lack of enthusiasm in the latino asian voters they literally had no reason to come out Right. Uh, when right. everybody, both, uh, uh, even, for example, here in Georgia, Michelle Nunn, who was really the favorite, I think, in some ways, because of her political heritage, the guy she was running against, David Perdue, was kind of a no-name in the state, although his, his cousin had been, had been governor, but nobody really knew him, and she had uh-huh. a real chance going to the election, and she came out against immigration reform, against Obama doing anything, uh, and basically she didn't get any Latino votes. If she'd have gotten that Latino vote, it would have been a much, much closer race. And that affected down, down ballot races like the governor's race as well. Uh, so stepping away from this issue, uh, you know, there, there's two, there's two points, two sides to that coin, of course. If from a GOP point of view, uh, many of them feel, and, and David Perdue's campaign manager is a friend of mine. I talked to him about this and, uh, he said, well, you know, Chuck, it's a primary. You gotta, you gotta come out against immigration. Really, that's just a tragic. Maybe there's an award next year for the political party who does the most harm to their own cause through through opposing immigration reform. Uh, because you know, in the long run, we we know they can't be successful without future immigrants becoming Republicans. We know that's the case. I, I think there's something in the water. You know, 
uh, there used to be this controversy, maybe there still is, about fluoride in our drinking mm-hmm. water. But I think they pump a special kind of water into the into Washington, D.C., where people just lose perspective, and they forget history yep. uh, in the sense that, um, you know, the president really went over the top in his reelection with the support of Hispanics and Latinos and, and uh, Asians. Mm-hmm. And uh, right after his executive actions, his popularity has shut up. Shot skyrocketed. Up skyrocketed. And, and, and so, I mean, how many times do they have to figure this out? It's over that, and over they're again. They're just committing political suicide by what they do. Well, and the reality anyway, is, let's, that, let's, let's go back to the awards here. What about this heartless award? Um, yeah, there is, there is a heartless award. Um, and that's uh, to Customs and Border Protection. Um, you know, they, they put out on Twitter and uh, on YouTube uh, a funny little skit where Santa Claus is finding it t- uh, time-consuming to go through customs as he flies from the North Pole on his sleigh with his reindeers. Uh, and so they encourage him to apply for global entry, which is a wonderful benefit. I have it myself. I do, uh, too. And... and, and uh, it does help you sail through customs, and that is one side of what they do. But the other part of it is that they they push people out of the country. And uh, there have been two reports: one that they um, take away the meager possessions of the undocumented, and uh, um, do not make it easy for them to retrieve their belongings as, as they are deported, uh, as these individuals are deported uh, by uh, customs and border protection. But even more uh, frightening is uh, that the conditions of detention uh, seem to involve such high levels of callous human suffering. Um, you know, there, there's a report out that, that the detention rooms were so cold and they weren't given adequate uh, uh, blanketing uh, to uh, 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 allow them to tolerate the, the very, very uncomfortable situations. I don't want to use the term torture because I don't know that it, it, it rises to that level, but it certainly seems un-American in it, my it view. Cer- it certainly was, borders it, on child abuse. Um, a, yeah. good fr- a friend of mine, Brian Johnson in New York, has actually filed a complaint seeking uh, criminal charges against members of the Obama administration and CBP for these so-called eleras, which are called freezers, that's what the kids call these places, where they're kept for days on end uh, without adequate sleeping arrangements, without adequate uh, clothing. I mean, these these buildings are on the southern border. And people that were coming in the summertime, of course, it's like 100, 120 degrees. And so they keep these internal uh, detention cells very, very cold for two reasons. Uh, one, because it's so hot outside, it's kind of maybe it's hard to regulate the temperature in some ways. But two, because it reduces the smell. Um, and they don't give the, the kids that they're holding adequate shower and, cl- and cleaning facilities. And I, I've, I've seen this firsthand, Angelo, sitting in, when I was in Arizona, and I went out to the detention center uh, in Florence. It was always kept at around 50, 55 degrees. And I asked the guards about, why is it so freaking cold in here? I said, well, it doesn't smell then. I said, maybe you could just have showers and you won't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. This is it's, it is heartless and it is, is absurd. By the way, I thought Santa Claus was an American, but I just wrong, I guess. <laughs> you got you got to be more precise about that. Well, well Jesus is, Jesus is an American, isn't he? <laughs> so, well, maybe he he is an American, but perhaps he's a dual national of the North Pole as well, and he was using the wrong passport. Well, that's quite that's quite possible. He was using the dual passport, but we all know Santa Claus is an American. 
Um, okay. <laughs> now, I, I love this one, too, the Talk is Cheap Award. Uh, this this really gets to the, 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 the big gaping hole that still exists in what could be administrative and policy fixes on business immigration. It, 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 I try to, uh, and there, I mean, this is an award we give to United States Citizenship and Immigration Services, USCIS, uh, the agency that is charged with granting immigration benefits. And uh, I wanted to be fair, and, and I have to admit that they've made great improvements in reaching out to the public and having listening sessions and stakeholder engagements in person and by phone on a whole host of topics. And they've made great progress in the immigrant investor, the EB-5 area, in in trying to bring some order and reliability and transparency to that program. You you mean Uh, mean the increasing delays in adjudicating cases part of the program, or the other part of the program? Yeah, I mean, but that's to be understood when you move the the program from what was a, a very dysfunctional California service center to uh, uh, Washington, D.C., some delays are to be expected. Uh, uh, we'll wait and see whether they're able to bring those those delays down to tolerable waiting periods. But um, for the real, uh, uh, and I should say the new director has, has uh, made a, a number of promising statements about how he will work with um, the agency personnel to improve things. Well, but, so did the old um, director. <laughs> they, they gave the same speech. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more I'm of a cynic to... than you are, Angelo. I know that's hard to. No, believe. you're not. No, you're not. By <laughs> <laughs> any means, uh, uh, there's a there's a song by the Who that I'm thinking of. I can't get it right now, but that uh, talks about how nothing really changes. But uh, maybe I'll tell you the song later if it comes to me. But the uh, the point is that there are so many things wrong uh, in terms of business immigration. Uh, I think at the heart of it is uh, that the adjudicators think of themselves as as powers unto themselves, and that they uh, can issue without any real adverse consequence uh, requests for additional evidence that are often uh, very burdensome, unjustified. And unnecessary in, and unnecessary and and what they say and yeah. and that creates a great expense to employers who already pay very high fees for the adjudications and it, it and it hurts the economy it hurts U.S. citizens uh, whose uh, co-workers the would-be foreign nationals would help improve the businesses and and create jobs and fill pressing needs and so we we have that problem we have. Uh, talk about how entrepreneurs should be recognized for their contributions and be given easier access to the national interest waiver provision. It hasn't happened. Uh, We've been promised uh, spousal work permits so that um, the U.S. immigration laws can uh, be on par with many of the other countries. That yeah, I mean, for, how long has that reg been finalized? I mean, that reg's been ready. You know it's been ready for months and months and months. And they don't and move we've on. We've been also waiting for intra-company transferee specialized knowledge workers. Yeah, uh, and that guidance hasn't come. Although it's been two or three years of waiting, um, uh, we we have so many things that are um, misrepresenting um, the uh, uh, the way things should happen, uh, or, and poorly uh, reflecting on our government's uh, administrative capabilities. 
but uh, you know, and one other thing is that their technology is almost as bad as healthcare.gov. What, what, I think it's um, worse, Angelo. I, I think you give too little credit to healthcare.gov. I mean, ELIS, the Electronic Filing System, once or ELIS, whatever they're calling it, it's a stupid name. They should get a better system name in place. The system is essentially useless. Um, I mean, I, I actually s- think that the, the name is appropriate. ELIS is an acronym for Ellis Island, and the technology is, is what <laughs> from was, the 1920s uh, functional back then. <laughs> That's about right. I mean, I remember when Robert Devine was the uh, uh, general counsel under George Bush in about 2003. I remember sitting with him at at USAS headquarters, talking about the grand glorious day in the next year in which there will be simply simply two forms that you will fill out for all immigration cases. They will all be done online, and uh, it will be a much simpler process. And that is what now tr- eleven years ago, twelve years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and in twelve years you can't develop a system that we know they spent at least a billion dollars on. We know they did. Well, Chuck, I've got one better on you. I remember sitting um, in a meeting with in Los Angeles with one Richard Norton, who was then the head of non-immigrant work visas at uh, the old INS. And this was, I think, in 1988. <laughs> and, and he promised that, that we would have uh, guidance and regulations on mergers and acquisitions. And uh, it is now 2014, and we still don't have those. 27 so, years um, later. I mean, you could give this award every year to the CIS, I think. The Talk is Cheap Award. I know. Um, but, you know, I, I don't... Uh, it's amazing. As bad as CIS is, um, the... Uh, they're not the, the worst. At, at ICE who decided that uh, uh, children and their mothers would not be given... Uh, release and, and would have a blanket no bond policy if they were apprehended. We, you know, about the southern border. Pure evil. Sure. Pure evil. It, and and uh, um, you know, it, it is no surprise to me that uh, the personnel at ICE uh, were ranked second from the bottom in the 315 government, federal government agencies uh, in the best places to work ranking. In the federal government. Wait, I thought they were ranked the worst place to work in the federal government. No, no, there was one other, and I I can't remember which one it was. There was one other obviously terrible place to work that was worse than ICE. But um, and this is these are self internal rankings. These are not like outside agencies. These these people in there telling them how bad it is to work there. Well, but you know, there's a certain uh, devilish irony to that particular ranking because it may be, given uh, what we have seen from many ICE officers who don't like being told they can't arrest people and deport them, that maybe that's why it's an unpleasant place to work. I mean, it's perhaps a reflection of the kind of Of government uh, policy mentality around enforcement that the uh, police in New York are exhibiting these days with their disrespect of the city and the mayor. Uh, it's, but, uh, but I think it's a very appropriate award uh, to ICE. We need to take our last break here on the Immigration Hour, and we'll be back uh, after the break to finish up the, the 2014 Enemy Awards with Angelo Pepperelli. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano, o tiene problemas con inmigración, o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. 
This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and medical director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the final segment here on America's Web Radio, the Immigration Hour. I think, David, it's the most listened to immigration podcast in a known universe. Uh, at least we can say that because why not? Uh, and we have really one of the most listened to shows of the year with Angelo Pepperelli. Angelo, again, these awards are awesome. They're just awesome. Uh, now, you, you did not leave out um, really any government agency here uh, because our friends at the Department of State also won an award, didn't they? They did. I, actually, Chuck, I, I left the Department of Labor out. Oh, you did. Um, you know, I was just reading the Department of Labor's out here. Perhaps next year they can win the Talk is uh, Cheap I, Award. I think they'll, they'll offer us some opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, um, and it wasn't because I, uh, um, I just ran out of steam. This was a very long post, Chuck. And, it was. Uh, <laughs> in any case, uh, yes, the State Department uh, uh, got uh, knocked for uh, really the kind of uh, um, cattle calls that are uh, uh, that are really um, that are termed consular visa interviews, where people are just rushed through consular posts, given two to three minutes, maybe five on the outside. To explain the complicated job they do for a massive company, and uh, uh, when they don't explain it, and especially when they don't understand all of the company's operation, because they're only a small part of it, consular officers um, deny the visa, uh, refuse it, even though all of it's explained in a writing that the company has provided. They don't read it. So they have a no-read policy because they just don't have the time. Uh, not all consular posts, but... Certainly, um, that is uh, the case at the uh, uh, consular post that issues the most, uh, or adjudicates, I should say, the most, the most L1 blanket uh, visa applications, the intra-company transferee in the world, and that's uh, uh, Chennai, India, uh, where so many knowledge workers come from. But uh, um, I, I could fault the consular officers, but I think they're just in the middle of it. I, I agree. I, I agree. This comes from these comes from head up, head of consular affairs uh, is really to blame for this. But isn't the reality? Shouldn't this be okay? You pay. I pay for my visa, right? So it costs me one hundred and forty yeah. bucks or whatever the current number is for change to apply for my visa, plus whatever the fee is if there's if there's a, yeah. a country fee. And if I'm a consular officer and I'm given five minutes to do an interview, that means I can do. Let's be generous. A ten interviews an hour, so I'm making a thousand dollars an hour from my agency, uh, and I'm not getting paid that. I can assure you. Why aren't yeah. they hiring more consular officers to deal with the issue of not having enough time to adjudicate cases? Likely because they can't uh, find qualified consular officers. Uh, I, I don't know that that's the case either. I mean, uh, we could go on for hours about the flaws in the consular process, the absolute lack of appeal of any any wrong-headed uh, 
uh, review by a consular officer. And uh, But I don't think we have the time in your final segment. We don't, I would like we don't. to take a nod to the court. Um, I think a number of, of things that have happened in the judicial branches, branch of government, have been uh, noteworthy. Certainly the Supreme Court's refusal to hear Arizona's request to deny driver's licenses to the undocumented um, uh, was was a uh, bright light. It, it was, because uh, here in Georgia, they're considering that legislation this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we, you know, we didn't get a legal precedent out of that. That was just a refusal to hear the case. Yeah, so a, the Ninth Circuit's got a great decision. It, it doesn't apply elsewhere, the, the denial of driver's licenses. But uh, uh, we in California have just uh, legislatively solved that problem at the beginning of this year. The undocumented are now allowed to. Wait, wait, Angel, um, you mean the sky has not fallen in California? The world has not ended? I thought the world would end if it happened. In fact, the streets are and highways are uh, uh, all the safer because people have insurance and uh, uh, are required to take an exam to show their prowess behind the wheel. And and so I think it's good public policy. Absolutely. Uh, But but you also had the great decision from Judge Howell. Yes. Yes, a very, very uh, well-reasoned decision that showed that the president's actions uh, are entirely consistent with his executive authority and consistent consistent with the clause in the Constitution that t- that he shall take care that the laws are executed. Uh, uh, we uh, we know that case is going to be that issue is going to go to the Supreme Court. Uh, I don't know whether it'll go on the back of the denial. Uh, uh, of uh, Judge uh, or Sheriff Joe Arpaio's case, oh, that's which a Judge joke. Howell decided, that's a joke. Uh, or whether the, a more absurd vehicle, uh, the criminal case that Judge Arthur Schwab uh, decided, in which he reached out and, on one hand, declared the civil immigration remedies uh, unconstitutional that the president authorized, uh, while uh, allowing. Uh, the defendant to, to apply for his, them, <laughs> guilty plea, and apply for those. Yeah. Uh, it, it simply made no sense. Um, you know, on the one hand, I give an award to uh, the the head of the uh, the, the chief judge of the uh, executive office of immigration review, the Judge Juan Osuna, whom both of us know is a, is a uh, well intentioned mm-hmm. uh, 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 individual trying to make a broken court system work. But on the other, I think it was really wrong for the Executive Office of Immigration Review to refuse to reveal the names of uh, of the judges who received some six, 767 complaints about judicial misconduct. Well, and, and that's not over uh, the lifetime of them being judges. That's like two years' worth of complaints. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that well, was a joke not letting... Now, most of us can guess who the judges are. Uh, and frankly, if we encouraged immigration lawyers to file a copy of their complaint with AILA so that we could track which judges were being complained about, that issue is easily solved going forward. Uh, and maybe they need to file it in the state where the judge is authorized to practice, practice law. law. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. That might have a consequence as well. But I did want to give recognition where recognition is very justly due to many, many lawyers who selflessly uh, dedicated pro bono time uh, in a variety of immigration causes, but most prominently uh, to help the flood of unaccompanied children uh, who were who mm-hmm. are really fleeing oppression in their home countries in the south southern border of the United States, crossing into the U.S. Um, and I named them. I, I want to give a special shout out to uh, 
the uh, American Immigration Lawyers Association, the American Bar Association, the New York Immigrant Family Unity Project. That last one is the first time any anybody has provided free public defender uh, resources uh, to immigrants facing removal. Um, and there are a host of others uh, in in your state of Georgia. My, I'm I'm proud to say that one of my lawyers at my firm, Seifert Shaw. Um, Lauren Locke uh, received the Pro Bono Volunteer Attorney Award of the Year. Uh, and uh, and so there are many, many lawyers who have done great things in, in the cause of helping people uh, in the true spirit that law is a helping profession. Well, I, I'd I like to shout out along with that, you mentioned Steve uh, Manning and Laura Lichter. Uh, they basically made the government shut down Artesia. Uh, where they were detaining. Uh, now, of course, they opened up a bigger Dilly, the Dilly Center for families in deportation proceedings, but that, that Artesia place was a hellhole, and they really mm-hmm. stepped up and showed that basically they've won every asylum case they presented there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that just speaks volumes for the fact that it's not an invasion across the southern border, it's a refugee crisis on the southern border uh, caused mm-hmm. by our own policies. Now, we're kind of getting short on time here, but I loved it hit my favorite because I think this is so important to recognize the In Your Face Activists Award. Because I don't think, I really don't think Obama would have moved forward on DAPA or DACA without these kids. Period. Uh, I think so. I mean, uh it's really interesting from a high school civics view of things. We taught these kids who, because they went to school in the United States, the great decision, the great tradition of of grassroots activism, civil rights protests, and they took the concept that Martin Luther King enshrined in our memories of nonviolent protest to a very high degree of of excellence. In, in the sense that they they heckled the president, they heckled members of Congress. Um, I, I saw a number of videos where they went to the halls of Congress with a video camera running, and uh, literally members of Congress were running away from, from them. It was awesome going into private chambers because they they couldn't face the ridicule. Uh, uh, there w- there was one that that I wanted to find a place for, but never ultimately did, in which Rand Paul. Uh, is seated with Steve King, yes. and one of the the winners, Erica Andiola, oh. um, is confronting uh, Steve King, and uh, Mr. Senator Paul hears what's going on, and in the middle of eating his hot dog, he steps away from the table. Well, he just walks away. away, so he won't have to do it uh, and be be questioned in the same manner. So um, I really think that uh, the people named. Uh, including my good friend Jose Antonio Vargas, uh, former Washington Post Pulitzer Prize-winning author who made a cause and a film um, uh, documented uh, mm-hmm. that that uh, has got some Oscar buzz. We'll see if it makes it. But uh, in, in any case, I think you, you should end with the idea that immigration is not only sad, it's also funny. It is funny. And uh, I did... Uh, uh, provide links to some of the funniest from Stephen Colbert, John Stewart, and John Oliver um, in uh, their take on America's dysfunctional immigration system. One of my favorite is uh, that by Colbert, Obama's immigration plan, Esteban Colberto. Uh, Stephen Colbert has been really a very strong political voice 
for immigration reform. My, my, my favorite ever of his was when he took the challenge and took the job from the Take My Job website and went and did farm labor for a couple of days um, mm-hmm. up in New York at, at a corn uh, farm. And it was just so hilarious because what, what he does and what all three of these men have done is take the absurdity of what our current situation is and get people who have no idea how it works to understand that it's a joke, but it's also a tragic joke. And it's a tragic mm-hmm. joke on the people that are part of it. It's a tragic joke on the U.S. economy. And it's a tragic joke on America I- I- as a whole. Angela, I want to thank you for the amazing Emmy Awards this year and for ha- being part of our show today. Thank you very much, Chuck. I'm always honored. I'm looking forward to next year's Emmy Awards in January. Uh, until well, then, what if there's nothing to write about? Oh, Angela, I think we're going to have a whole basket full of stuff, and I think our friends Colbert, uh, Stewart, and um, Oliver are going to have a lot more shows to share with us this year. Until next you, week, Chuck. this is the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, see you later. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.